Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Owen McCabe. He's the founding CEO and now chairman and co-founder at Intercom. Owen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think people like yourself, I've been using your product for a very long time now. And it's it's cool to have somebody on the show like yourself, especially a co-founder and former CEO of, of companies that you've actually used their product and you've loved their products for for a number of years, but maybe before we get into Intercom and the story of that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure, so uh, I was born in Dublin, Ireland. Very cool. Actually where I am, where I am right now. I spent the last 10 years in San Francisco Bay Area, but I'm back in Dublin. Uh, and I, uh, you know, spent a lot of time in the city here in Dublin um, fell in love with it and also found it a little small. You know, when I left Dublin in around 2011, Silicon Valley and San Francisco, these were just the places you went. It was a little more clear that that was your big option if you wanted to do something a little grander. And, and it was obvious that Dublin just couldn't compare. And so, you know, I had a lot of fun here in Ireland and I, Started a couple companies here, went to college here, but uh, it didn't take me too long before I got dragged overseas. Sure. What did you take in college and why? I studied computer science. Um, I grew up watching, there was these cool shows. One was called Beyond 2000. Another was called Tomorrow's World. Okay. One was a UK show. Another was uh, Australian. I need to go and dig them out and see. I'm sure they're on YouTube. And they would talk about this bright, brilliant future, flying cars. I remember one episode where they talked about um, how in the future you could, you know, get all your nutrition from these little pills or you know these sure. the, the, these products. All sorts of wacky, silly stuff. But it it really just ignited my imagination about what was possible back then. I'm 36 and that was probably a solid 30 years ago people talked about the future in these bright brilliant ways now we are a little scared about what's going to come next (laughs) (laughs) but um back then it was so exciting and 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 i wasn't i was just enthralled by it so i wanted to be a scientist and an inventor a lot of the people on these shows they were scientists and engineers and whatnot and then um i i I fell into computers My, my 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 parents probably spent a significant amount of their savings to get us a computer. I think we got our first computer in 1992 or something. Wow. And um, then I got online in 1996 uh, through AOL and, and, and just my mind was totally blown uh, just by the potential of the internet, and the idea that we could connect with people across the world. And it was in a very expressive place. Places like GeoCities were really, really creative. Yep, I remember those uh, days. Yeah, so beautiful. I, I actually missed them. Um, and 
And so I, I, I then started to think, okay, computers is my thing. And then I happened upon the notion or idea or fact that computer science was a topic or a subject or something you could study. And so I don't know, just maybe it was just a, the combination of those two wor words felt like a combination of my two worlds. And from wanting to be a scientist, I always imagined it would be, you know, in a, in a white lab coat to falling in love with computers and then realizing you could do both for, for, for whatever reason, it just, it just clicked in my head. So, you know, I felt bad for a lot of my peers who didn't know what they wanted to do, but I grew up as a young teenager knowing computer science was for me for, for whatever reason. That's what I did. Interesting. No, that's really cool. I kind of, I feel like I the exact same um, as you did. It's kind of a teenager. Uh, like I didn't really know you could make a career being like a designer on, on software yeah. and, and, and then like, it doesn't really matter. Like I eventually ended up, you know, obviously doing it as a career and you're just like, you feel bad for people that like some people still struggle with it. Right. For so sure. it's, it's for it's sure. Cool now, the, the, it's true. The truth is who knows whether or not you and I had any real wisdom back then, or we just had a little obsession or with me, maybe we're just tickled by the wordplay of the two favorite things being <laughs> sure. the same phrase, you know, so we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back too <laughs> it's much. Probably all those. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> For sure, I, 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 I did feel badly for people who didn't have a direction. Sure. So how did you and your co-founders come up with Intercom and what exactly was it when you guys originally launched? And then I want to get go through kind of how it's evolved over the last yeah. decade. Yeah, 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 sure. So, you know, like I said, I was just pumped about the potential of the World Wide Web. And, you know, I couldn't believe it. Just some of the stuff you could do. I remember, I don't know if you recall, but MSN, which was yep. uh, Microsoft Messenger. Yep. They, at one point, had this feature where you could make free calls to yep. the United, in the United States. Yep. And so, no matter where in the world you were, including in Dublin, Ireland, you could call people for free in the United States. And I was quite young. Like, I, I doubt I was yet a teenager. And I would call these places in the United States. I would call little regional airports. I mean, you know, I was wasting people's time, but I wasn't, it wasn't prank calls. I was just calling people up and, you know, asking them what, what's it like in that part of the world. Because um, I was just enthralled by the United States also. And, and, and that was just one example of what the internet could do and how it all worked. And, and, and really, you know, the internet, uh, was invented and, and, and came to be out of the, uh, you know, de desire to create a new form of, you know, communication uh, or a new communication platform. And, and, and I think we kind of all forgot that in a sense. Um, and when, when people started to do things online, I think that they, I don't know, they just, it, it just took a significant amount of time for us to just catch up with, some of the very simple models we appreciate in the real world. So, 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 so let me bring all that together. I, I started to frequent a coffee shop here in Dublin with some of the folks who would be my co-founders in Intercom. Right. And it was a cool coffee shop and run by this guy called Colin and he was the first to bring hipster coffee to Dublin. And, you know, we came for the coffee, but we got to know this cool guy called Colin and he really cared about us, loved the, whole coffee world and would educate us about it, et cetera. But 
it was little things, the smile on his face when we walked in the door and the twinkle in his eye when he told us about some new coffee or just the familiarity, he remembered our names or just the simple humanity. You know, he didn't try to sell us on things when we didn't want them. Um, we're just, uh, we're, we're, we're so rich and, and they created relationships and loyalty and had us coming back more often and bringing friends and giving feedback and forgiving mistakes, et cetera, and certainly paying more, uh, you know, and all of that magic human stuff, it just didn't exist online. You know, 2010, sure. when I started thinking about this stuff, the, you know, the, the internet was fully formed in a sense. And there were all manner of digital and online businesses, but the web and the internet wasn't really being used in, 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 in the way it could and, and, and has become to be used as a communication platform. It was still super transactional. And so back then the standard way of actually interacting with people rather than any kind of personal and human, um, uh, facets like uh, facets of interaction that you see with Colin in his coffee shop there was you know really formal emails thanks for your inquiry you know your ticket number 5053 <laughs> there's spammy email there's you know yeah. a lot of barriers put up to consumers trying to actually contact the business and I just fundamentally came to know that consumers actually would just prefer more than that. Uh, but I saw that actually these online businesses didn't have the tools to do that. All I had was some crappy email, uh, some newsletter products and some help desk things and whatnot. All of these things really designed to cook costs and, you know, work at scale. They weren't human, human oriented uh, communication platforms. And so what Intercom started as and still is today is a simple way for online businesses to connect with their customers. We used a, a messenger that you could install in your website or your app to um, speak uh, to your customers as a human. And you can use GIFs and emojis. And you know, later on, you know, supported voice and a range of different things. And became, it's becoming multi-channel. And you know, now we use bots and have all sorts of automation and, and, and whatnot. But really, it's all about allowing the humans behind these businesses connect with their customers as humans too. You know, you talked about how interesting it was and cool it was that you got to, you and I get to talk after you using Intercom for so long. Totally. And the reason that I get a kick out of that when I use a product and then I finally meet the human behind it is that for some damn reason, I forgot there was a human behind it. Yeah. It's weird, like, right? It's not like, yeah. A, yeah, it's not like I didn't intellectually know. If yeah. you ask me about any brand I use, if you, if, if someone says, Oh, did a person make that? Uh, uh, you know, that'd be a dumb question, but I don't think about them. Yeah. And so really, really what we try to do is like, Hey, let's bring the humans back. <laughs> let's let these brilliant, creative, wonderful, beautiful humans be their true expressive selves and connect and communicate in ways that are not only useful to the consumer, but just feel good. We all want and deeply crave connection. And so if you can bring that into the mix in a business transaction or you know, you're just buying something online, whatever it is, feels better. It's more effective. Um, everybody wins. So that was the big picture and the big goal. Our mission was to make internet business personal. Makes total sense. So how has the product stayed the same and evolved over the last decade? Because you, you quickly yeah. mentioned it, but you guys obviously have still do what you did at the core 
uh, when you first launched, but you've added so much more on top of that now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, before I start, I speak to that, let me give a tiny bit of context to your sure. listeners. I'll, I'll share some kind of vanity metrics and statistics that this is, this is not a humble brag. This is just a brag. Sure. You know, Intercom started in this really silly little place. We never imagined it would be a, you know, global corporation. Really, we were just trying to invent something cool for people to use. And, and, and very sincerely, just from that energy and effort to build something cool, we created a billion dollar business, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. We did change an industry, big public companies, small, smart startups, all copy and mimic, you know, core parts of our inventions. Um, and there's just a lesson in that, the fact that, you know, big things really do have small and humble beginnings. But if you really put true passion and creativity and love into something, uh, there's probably no bounds to, to what can happen. So now more practically in terms of the technology, you know, in, in so many ways, so much stayed the same. You know, okay. one of the things we just did well over the years was that we, we iterated and we listened to our customers and we ripped up old things and, 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 and rebuilt and redesigned. You know, we, we started with so much hubris and dogma, great confidence in ourselves and our ideas. We learned over the years to, to, to fight our dogma, to change our minds. Interesting. And so, you know, we were all about bringing humans into the mix. We realized actually AI, machine learning and automation was the future. And so we, we challenged ourselves to say, how can, how can automation and AI and all of that stuff also help make internet business more personal. And so we built very personal bots that would, you know, respect consumers' time and, and, and preferences and actually get them what they need quicker. Um, and so that was one of the big fundamental changes where at the start it was for sales, marketing, support teams, the humans in those teams to, you know, connect with the humans that were their consumers and customers. Over time, we built the automation, the bots. Um, and, and, and fit that into our model. And that has been a total game changer and, 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 and truly does represent the future. You know, when, when, we, when we interact with online brands in the future, not only will we be able to do so in, you know, personal, fun, friendly ways and talk to people when we want to, but there's lots of times we don't want to, there's lots of times we just want an answer. And in those times, we will increasingly be helped by highly effective, highly respectful, you know, useful, if not fun bots um, that just get us back to doing what, what it is we actually want to do. So we're, 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 we're big proponents of that. Now, that's interesting. I want your thoughts on um, a couple of things that I think are related. How, do, how have you guys managed to push yourselves out of your own comfort zone and rethink things while balancing your product roadmap with customer requested features because that I, I get that's like a really hard question to answer and it's kind of a long question but i think so many startups struggle with balancing all three of those things <laughs> you know it, in a sense we didn't have it that hard at the start because we built for small tons of small businesses when you're when you're when you're building consumer products or small business products and you have a very high volume of customers um, and really big markets, you can actually afford substantially more to let your own 
philosophies and values guide the way okay. you can bring a market with you. You know, these are all small businesses that are flexible and adaptable to change and actually want to learn from you. They, 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 they want to hear from you. Hey, what's the right way, for example, to run our support organization. Interesting. And so, you know, if you look at some of the, the greatest consumer products, especially today, you know, some of the online products that are, are quite opinionated, obviously like TikTok is like a really, really great and big example. These are highly artistic and creative endeavors. Right. You know, you don't actually create TikTok by going to the market and saying, hey, what features do you want? It doesn't happen. Interesting. The only way you make it TikTok is that you have one crazy person who has a strong idea about the thing that they want to build and no one's going to change their damn mind. And it turns out that they're right. Um, and so th that, 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 that was how we, we worked at the start. You know, you, you see people like Apple and everyone else, you know, Steve Jobs would always famously say they didn't have focus groups. They didn't do that type of research. I'm sure. That's changed a little over the years, but sure. But, um, but, but, but that's how it works with consumer companies. Then when you go up market and you're selling to larger enterprises, there's a smaller number of them. And <laughs> if you can lead the market on the small end of the scale and on the consumer end of the scale, uh, I'm afraid that when, when you're working with bigger folks, they're going to lead you. Um, they're established, they're weighty, there's inertia, a certain way of working, a lot of risk, and a very small number of them. In the consumer world, there's how many, many billions of people in the world? Hell, if you get one billion, paying you one dollar um you've just made a phenomenal um a phenomenal business whereas in the enterprise world when you're selling to, to to larger organizations there may only be 341 potential customers in your market right. and so uh you know you're gonna have to uh really work with them you, you can't actually pick and choose you can't afford for large swaths of the world of the market to not like your product and so, you know, that's why these big businesses uh, or these businesses that, 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 that sell to big companies, they have professional services, which means that they have, they have teams inside their organizations that will customize the product, et cetera. And so I actually managed to say loads of words without really answering your question. The, 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 the fine art is actually the balance between those things. It's prioritizing the customer requests and needs while also continuing to introduce your art. And it's actually quite difficult because it's two different types of individuals. You know, my, my, my own talents and my own preferences is on the more artistic and creative side. I want to be this one controlling individual that makes up his mind about here's how everything should be done. I don't, I don't, I don't do very well when working with other people's values. And that's my own car character weaknesses and flaws. But there are other people who they, they, they're more service oriented. They are great listeners. They can develop empathy for different types of organizations. Um, and, and so really, I think part of it is a lot of these businesses, you know, if, if it's like intercom, you're making business software, as you move, move up market, it's important to bring in these types of people, um, these different types of individuals who are going to be more customer oriented, who will listen more and who actually can take feedback and whatnot. Um, and, 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 and the mix in the cultures there is just the art of great leadership. And you're going to have to figure it out on the ground. There actually is no formula or science for that. Interesting. Actually, I, what you said there, I think like just when you mentioned about kind of just sticking to your vision and I'm not saying you, you shouldn't listen to your customers cause I think you should. And I think you would agree with that. It's just my, I see so many startups though. 
they build a version one, they start getting users, and then they have maybe like one or two customers that are like, if you add this feature, I'll sign up. And then you add it and they don't. And you end up like building all these features that are that have nothing to do with your core and your business and potentially your current customer base. But you're always trying to, sometimes you're chasing this like big whale of a type client that will never sign up. But And you're always just kind of chasing your tail a little bit. And like, I'm not saying you shouldn't build that, but like so many, I've seen so many startups just like go after this one client and forget kind of their core mission and what value they're adding their actual customers. And they end up never getting that big client or that big customer because like they're never happy. Do you agree with that? Or what are your thoughts around that? There's a couple of things in there. And I'll, 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 uh, I'll see, can I remember to cover them? The, uh, the, the first is that, you know, there's, there's a, that thing about listening to your customers. Of course you should listen to your customers. That's kind of saying like, of course you should smile at kids and yeah. you should be nice to puppies. Like it's <laughs> an obvious thing. Of course you should listen to your customers and your customers are your customers. But you know what the highest and purest form of communication is? It's the exchange of currency. And if people are giving you money for their product, uh, they are telling you that they want it. And so if you are in the consumer end of the business, if you're selling to small businesses and there's millions of people paying for it, that's all you need to do. Like, yeah, don't let is. anyone tell you if you, if you, if you have a, a growing business with lots of customers and it's working, don't tell anyone that, don't let anyone tell you that you need to listen to your customers more, right? You're, you're, you're listening to their money and they're listening to your features and there's a beautiful dance and an interaction there. Now, the truth is that the challenges around the edges when, um, you know, people inside your organization are going to say, hey, our business could be substantially bigger if we did X, Y, and Z. Um, but uh, therein lies the art. The, the art part um, includes knowing who the hell you are. You spoke about these businesses that they launch and then they, can, they hear that some potential big customer would pay if only they included some certain feature, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In life, it's so important to get close to who we are whether it's you as an individual, whether it's you as a business or, uh, offering a product or a service, you know, it's like, you know, the age old wisdom around you know, relationships and, 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 and love and romantic and intimate partners until you know you and, and, and are a whole person yourself um, and are really grounded on, 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 on you, you're not really going to be in a fit state to, 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 to partner with anyone. It's going to be really, really difficult for anyone else in the world to know who you are, for you to actually have a relationship that is, that is balanced and um, stable. The exact same is the case for, for any kind of business. You really need to sweat the details in your, your, your values and your philosophy and your mission and your vision and what it is you're trying to do in the world. If you don't do these things, you're going to get tossed around in the waves of customer feedback and requests and big potential customers, et cetera. Now, the truth is that the development of the values and the mission, the vision, the philosophy, the ideas around who you are uh, doesn't happen in isolation. It's part of a beautiful dance that happens with the market. Just like you as an individual in the world, when you're growing up, you try out some different types of things, different types of music, different types of people and friends, 
different ways of representing and showing up in the world. And some feels good and some works and some doesn't and some doesn't. And so when you're building a business and a product and a service, for sure, you're going to go out into the market and you're going to realize oh, this one value or this one philosophy or this way of, 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 of thinking doesn't actually make sense. Really what you're looking for is truth. You're trying to find a set of ideas that when the rubber meets the road, they turn out to be true. You know, a lot of the stuff in the early days is a lot of assumptions and a lot of, like I said, I described our hubris and our dogma. We had these strong ideas about how the world would be. And most of them actually turned out to be right. And that's how we built the billion dollar business. But some of them didn't. And we have to rip them up. And so, you know, developing those values and sense of self as a business, yes, there's a process and there's an interaction and a dance with the market, but it's so crucial that you really, uh, really, really relatively quickly, you know, get grounded on what those things are or else you're going to be in big trouble like you just described. Sure. So you were the founding CEO and now you recently became chairman. How did you like make sure that you were giving strong leadership and, and being able to know that you're right and chase the ideas that you're right, but also be open to saying like, look, truthfully, this was a bad idea. We need to change this. Like, how did you balance that from being CEO all the way down? And because a lot of CEOs, sometimes it's really hard to be actually like a good leader and accept change and accept the stuff that you're right about and accept the stuff that you weren't right about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure. I think there, I think the answer is actually pretty straightforward. Okay. Uh, and, 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 and the first part of the answer is going to sound, uh, it's not very palatable. It's not radio friendly. There's a, there's, you know, you can describe this as arrogant. There's arrogance in it. Too, sure. Right? And then the second part is the opposite. So let's just put it out there and see how it feels. So <laughs> the first piece is you're not really going to be successful as a leader unless you actually are right a bunch of times. Interesting. I mean, if you're not smart and you don't know much about the world you're, you're playing in, it's going to be really, really difficult. You know, like sure. I know nothing. I'm looking, there's a little, there's a cute little bakery across the street. Uh, from me right now I'm, lo I'm looking at them okay i know nothing about baking sure i know nothing about baking whatsoever if i tried to start a bakery or some sort of baking company you and i could be pretty pretty sure i would fail miserably um you know so the, you know the the, the the first part is you're only going to be successful if you kind of know what you're doing and you 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 have the those you know call them god-given abilities and skills or 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 not um, to do the damn job. And, you know, I do believe that, you know, everyone in the world has a meaningful, beautiful, magical purpose and mission um, uh, to be found for them that will deliver them tremendous joy and love and connection and, uh, you, know, you know, great purpose in their life. Um, and, and, and I think it's really important you find that. And if you're going to be a business leader or a CEO or any of these things, you better make sure that being that thing is, is, is your mission and your purpose at that point in time. So that's the first piece. It didn't actually sound too arrogant to me. No, but, I thought it was good. I, I think you're the, right. You know, the, the, yeah, I mean, the, but, but, but really the arrogant version is like, look, uh, you know, you're not, you know, you're, you're just going to have to be right a bunch of the time. 
you know, it's like you are and you're gonna need to be right a bunch of the time. You're gonna need to be smart and capable. And the flip side is you need to surround yourself with brilliant people. Sure. You need to surround yourself with, with folks who, who, who compliment you or, or are substantially better than you in, in, in other areas or who think in different ways um, or you know, who, can, who can be more productive or, or effective at, at certain types of things. You know, um, and obviously these people you need to be able to have a healthy relationship with and you have like good mutual respect with and everyone kind of understands and knows their place. And, you know, in, in, in a healthy version of that, you've got the leader, the CEO, we'll talk about my own circumstance, who for sure in, in, in my world as I grew up, certainly the, 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 uh, this became a little less so as I got a little older and a little wiser and a little more comfortable with all the things I didn't know. But, you know, I, I, I had a lot of confidence in myself and my own ideas. And so, so I, you know, I, I got to work with a bunch of brilliant, beautiful people who were cool with that. They actually trusted me on a bunch of stuff. Awesome. And they actually wanted to work with me because they actually did think I had the right ideas and a bunch of other things. And thankfully, 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 um, I, I, I didn't, you know, exhibit you know, so much arrogance that, that, it, that it wasn't, you know, unpleasant for them to be around me all the time. And actually I was able to, you know, bring, bring these super talented people into the fold and recognize what they all were good at and give them space and opportunities to grow and, you know, um, flex their own muscles and skills and find their own place. And, uh, you know, it became th this beautiful collaborative thing. And so, like, you know, this is why the, 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 the psychological and <clears throat> very personal internal aspect of this is so, so crucial. I mean, you know, people don't generally just want to hear from leaders these days that think that, that they're right. And yet I'm actually promoting the idea that the most effective leaders just think of some brilliant people that you might look up to. I mean, I look up quite a bit to, to Elon Musk. Sure. I just think he's probably right about a bunch of the stuff he works on. He just, he just is. That's okay. But but he and I and everyone else, and forgive me for putting he and I in the same sentence here, but, you know, any, any leader with any degree of success needs to know their limits and their boundaries, and they need to do the introspection to uh, be able to, you know, be one of these people that is smart and quite right a lot of the times on, on, on the topics uh, on, on which they work. And you know, know when they're not and be able to form great, meaningful, respectful, positive, fun, rich relationships with the people around them and uh, for it to be just a, you know, a, a beautiful, virtuous thing. I'm sure there's a model of a leader that is super smart and super right most of the time and is also a tyrant yeah. and it's kind of a put up or shut up thing. And, you know, maybe some of these people are just so, so, so brilliant that people are just willing to, 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 to go along with it. I personally have found a different type of a model and, 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 you know, I, I, I wouldn't judge anyone for whatever way that they, they, they live their lives, but there's also a model where I think you can be smart and right and bring a lot to the table as a leader or the leader and exhibit a phenomenal amount of love and respect and, and, uh, and have very healthy, really rich, awesome relationships with people that work for you. Sure. No, I, I think that's actually really good advice. And, and the one thing that always kind of has blown me away with CEOs and people I've worked before in the past is like, sometimes they hire really smart people, 
but then they do everything possible to get in their way to not be successful. And it's like, but like, how do you balance between being that like visionary type that thinks they're right and has proven through a track record that they've been right a bunch of times, but also allow those brilliant, smart people that you did hire, like get out of their way as well so they can be successful and ultimately help the whole company and make you successful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Leaders who work on themselves don't ever have this problem. Interesting. Uh, and when I say work, 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 work on themselves, I mean, you know, find a great therapist, find a, find a spiritual teacher, um, you know, take that inward journey. It could be through med meditation, it could be a range of things where you understand deeply your own psychology and thereby understand, the, you know, the human psyche at, at large. And you, you know, develop your, you know, some people use the phrase spiritual intelligence, or you just, you know, you, 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 you get closer to, you know, what your heart wants and you, you're able to communicate more wholly and completely and, 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 and not let your ego be in the driver's seat all the time. You know, when, when, you know, we all have egos and they're, it's, it's, they're very important parts of us that there's great evolutionary uh, benefits to our egos. We, we all over the ages, all animals need to first feed ourselves and then our kids right. so that society actually functions. So egos are really, really important. But the, the problem is for a lot of people, especially people who start businesses and companies who want to be leaders, these are people who actually, you know, expand their egos and, 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 and build big, strong, massive egos to cover for some internal insecurities, which is totally fine, comes from their nature or their nurture. The, 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 the problem is that they, they don't, know the difference between them and their egos they don't know that they are more than their egos they let their ego be in the driver's seat you know when you think of some situation where you're you're, you're pissed off your your um your nervous system is triggered it, 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 different people get tri triggered by different things but you know a, a common one might be you're in a car and someone cuts you off or someone you know skips the line someone is nasty to you and uses like is aggressive or bad, bad language out of nowhere or a lot of times like you say in the workplace someone like shuts down your idea or is disrespectful that little jolt of anger that's the that's the response of your ego um and that is the that is the body feeling the their their their, their ego identity being being challenged and and the the, the thing that that response, that shooting feeling that goes up your body, the thing you do after that, so that's, you know, road rage happens. <laughs> like People say stuff in meetings that they really should, shouldn't. Um, that's letting their ego do the driving. Their ego's in the driver's seat. And unfortunately what happens with all of us is it's not just in those moments. We can, we can be triggered over a long period of time. And, Anytime we have to just interact in these moments, we actually let our egos make the, the decisions. Um, we just don't know the difference. But when you've done the work on yourself, so many different ways to do it, meditation, spiritual practice, spiritual guides and teachers and therapists, so many different ways these days, you, you, you catch it and you know the difference. And, and, and this is a really long way to answer your question. No, I think it's good. It's that, really good. Okay, good. Even the, even the most brilliant smartest most capable leaders and ceos and whatnot if they've done this work they don't they don't need the tactics for oh how do you make time to let someone else shine 
you know, they, 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 they're the type of people that people want to be around and, 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 and are fun and awesome to work with. And uh, it's just good vibes and good energy. I mean, you know the difference with those people. So I'm a big, big advocate for leaders just doing that work on themselves. Put down the business books and the tips and the tricks and, uh, you know, step away from the blog posts and the, you know, shortcuts to product strategy success and actually do the hard but so richly rewarding work of getting to know yourself. I think that is some of the best advice to give anybody because, and we talked about this a bit before we started recording. It's like, I'm so tired of the like 10 lists to be successful and like, you need to do this or this person does this every day. And it's just like, sure, some of those things might work for you. There's nothing wrong with that. But like at the end of the day, basically everything you've said that you've done as a leader to build a billion dollar company, you mentioned nothing about trying to change other people and just working on and understanding yourself. Right, 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 right. And you know, the cool thing is, I, I learned this over time. The really cool thing is that um, if you do the, the private, quiet, solitary work to get to know yourself yeah, and, you know, just, grow as a person and become more kind and open and loving and aware etc that has a massive influence on the people around you sure you have massive influence you know it's actually it's just really hard to it's really hard to feel comfortable with your ego in the driver's seat when you are working with someone who is that former type of individual you feel you feel shitty you feel bad someone who's who's just um takes a, a wiser, more skillful approach to work and life. Um, they motivate the people around them to do the same. So it's a really, it's a, it's a really cool and gentle way to uh, just level everyone up, as it were. It's just more fun and it feels better. And uh, then you come out of these business situations with you know, lifelong friends and sure. cool relationships and you get to work with each other in different ways and follow your life stories and stuff and it takes the kind of transaction out of it all um so yeah but i you know i had to i had to learn that myself and that's definitely not the model i had going into business interesting so you recently transitioned to chairman walk us through uh that transition and uh what made you decide to uh move into that role yeah i i mean it's there's not a lot to it really i i always dreamed of um you know, I always imagined that chairman would be the place I would end up. I had been thinking about okay. that for maybe the last five years. Didn't have a precise timeline on it. About three years ago, I hired a COO, a person named Karen Peacock. And, okay. and part of my kind of, part of my conversation with her at the start was like, hey, someday I'd like to be chairperson in a dream situation. You would become CEO. Let's see how it goes. Okay. But I kind of want to. I kind of want to put that in your head. I mean, That's awesome. Let, let me say that. And, and, and over the years of working together, we would talk about that. And, I, you, know, um, you know, we kind of knew it was something that we both wanted. Okay. And then kind of for me, you know, start of this year, I was starting my 10th year working on, on Intercom. Um, you know, we just had this really successful pivotal market and we started to see this tremendous growth. Um, we had line of sight to profitability. I mean, I, the stars just aligned and I just realized like, Hey, the company's ready to hand over and I'm ready for a change. And, and, and that was about it. The, you know, 
So that happened uh, this year and, and Karen became CEO and I became chairperson on the, uh, the 1st of July. Very cool, man. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious though, you've talked about, if people haven't really picked up on it yet, you very, I feel like you, you're one of the few companies that have actually taken kind of a different approach and being a little bit of a, a rebel around some of this stuff and, and not actually just like sometimes like going with the grain, but also being not like very comfortable going against the grain and what people are doing. How do you keep that up? And, and what advice do you give to people that should be doing that or are too scared to yeah. be doing that? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot to it behind this. The first is that I know there are no rules in you know, business or creativity sure. or, or life, you know, like there actually isn't a playbook. You know, people, people ask, you know, on, 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 on fixed or specific endeavors to trying to raise money or whatever it is. Oh, how do you, how do you raise money? How do you do this or that? What's the right stage to, to, to raise this amount? Or should we add someone to the board at this stage? The answer I will, will always give is there's no rules. Do You can do whatever you want. There may be some norms. Sure. Um, some standard ways of working in the market, but there's, there's no rules. So that's the first thing that actually people just need to shake out, out of themselves. And unfortunately, 80% of people kind of enter this game and so many games just thinking that there are there's just rules that they need to play by. There's yeah. not. There's not. And then the unfortunate thing for those who just get stuck in those grooves is that actually the very best things happen to the people who break outside the mold. Yep. In fact, playing by the rules just makes you look like everybody else. You're in the same market, selling in the same way, same branding, same product, same type of talent, same way of thinking, same approach, attitude, same everything. And actually, progress in the world is identified by things that are new. And if you think about technology, what is technology? New technology, you know, growth in new technology is defined by things that haven't existed before. You know, the most valuable of these businesses have invented something that the world apparently needed but didn't yet have. By definition, that is new, that is different. And so by following the rules and trying to fit in, and I get it, people do want to fit in, they want to be accepted. They're modeling themselves after some certain business leaders or, or, or what, whatever it is. We all have our influences just as much as I did. And I, we, we, we've spoken about that. Sure. But um, the, 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 the unfortunate thing is that um, that will lead, to, uh, will lead to failure. And so, you know, I actually think you don't have a choice, but I'm a big advocate for questioning far more of the things that people typically tend to question. And again, there's different people for different stages of the business and different functions. But when you are getting started, in my personal opinion, um, please stay away from the playbooks and the, tr the tips and the tricks and everything else and, 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 and find your own path. And in, in my opinion, also, it's just more fun. Being totally. authentic to you and playing your own game, that's, that's it's, I want to say it's almost like cheating, but it's, it's, it, it's not cheating. It's the path of, it's the path of really respecting the one life that you've got and it depends on your own philosophy or religion or however you think about life. But, you know, if you think that life is sacred, if you think that your life is sacred, if you're grateful for life, please 
Do not try and live someone else's. Please cherish it by finding your own path. Um, it feels great. It feels really good to do your thing. And so always, always, always from the very start, so much of our values was, was about doing things different, finding our own way, you know, having respect for what came before, but knowing that we can do something, uh, you know, in an alternative fashion and, and, and do it better. Um, and, and, you know, it, it works different for different people, but that gave me a lot of energy and it gave us a lot of success. Um, and, you know, it's also easier said than done. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just easier to follow the, 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 the path well taken. Um, but, you know, tr your real happiness in life, when you, when you really settle into who you are and, and, and you, really, you really do believe that you found a purpose in an animation, you'll always find it's quite unique to you. You know, the, 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 I really think that true happiness comes from, um, you know, being true and authentic to yourself. And you'll always find that that's actually quite, quite a bit unique. I saw someone say, I think it was Naval. Do you know Naval on Twitter? Naval Ravikant. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he said, I think he said something like, if you find that your opinions of you and your friends, or if you find that your opinions neatly line up with the opinions of your friends, they're not your opinions. Interesting. I just thought that was just great wisdom. Totally. Um, so again, I encourage people to get out there, be crazy, be them have fun inventing and just know that that is the only path to really great success. It's so trite, but for some reason, the, 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 the most valuable wisdom is the most trite. It's the stuff under our nose, but we, we just choose to ignore it day, day in, day out. Uh, no, man, I, I think that's, that's really good advice, but sadly we're out of time. So how about we close <laughs> the show with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself and intercom? And any other links you want yeah, to mention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, intercom is at yeah, intercom.com. Sure, and, most of us um, have used it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, even if you have and you can check it out again, we launched a whole bunch of new customer support features. We never really aggressively invested in customer support before, but now we have all these help desk features. And you can choose us as an alternative to some of the great uh, products like Sendesk and HelpScout now. So, uh, if you're if you're if you're thinking that maybe you could do better in customer support, check out some of our new stuff launched only weeks ago. Intercom.com, and I'm Owen on Twitter. Uh, conveniently spelled exactly how. If you're not from Ireland, you would not expect E O G H A M. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.